Sedano LZ, Cap with you here. What you need to know brought to you by Morongo. Play it safe. Good times. By the way, if you missed earlier, our pal Cecil, or excuse me, Cecil, pardon me, Cecil Powell from Carson won 360 bucks today uh, with our daily giveaway. So tune in Monday at 430 and hopefully you hear n- your, your name, excuse me, and... I thought I had like a stroke there for a second. Um, <laughs> the way you can register to win the cash, because we have 180 bucks to give away on Monday, and if it, no one wins, it rolls over, hence why we gave 360 today. Uh, the easy way to register is this way. Text the word MISSION, that's M-I-S-S-I-O-N, to this number, 40705. All right, time for what you need to know. Cap, what do you got? All right, let me say that we've been very, very high-level NBA basketball discussion thus far. So one thing we haven't gotten to this week, and it is Friday, you know, one of the biggest stories of the week in the NFL was Carson Wentz being traded from Philadelphia to Indianapolis. The Colts were looking for a quarterback because Phillip Rivers retired, and the head coach, Frank Reich of Indianapolis, was once the offensive coordinator early in the career of Wentz in Philadelphia. What's super interesting about this news is that most people thought the Rams were married to Jared Goff's contract. They thought that Philadelphia was married to Carson Wentz's contract. And the reality of the situation now, as taught by the Rams organization, everybody else around the league is, you're not married to these contracts You're not married to these players. If you don't like them anymore, you can find a way to get rid of them so long as you can find a dance partner. And for me, the most interesting part of it all is now, what does Houston do? What happens with Deshaun Watson? That, George Sedano, LZ Granderson, is what you need to know. Okay. Yeah, look, I don't I think look, LZ has talked about this with the NBA. I think the NFL has hit a level where contracts are no longer an impediment. I think that's the ba- basically the way that we look at it. Um, you know, you, you just have to find a dance partner, and maybe you have to sweeten the pot, right? We've seen that in the NBA, too, and I think the NFL has found itself uh, in that same area, basically, Elsie. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, I keep going back to it, but it just changed my entire worldview when Rashard Lewis's bad contract was able to get traded. You just need one. You just need one. And in the NFL, the one thing that Keyshawn drilled into my head over and over again, the NFL has a lot of guys who think they're really smart. And even though everyone else says this dude can't play, the NFL always has a head coach that goes, <laughs> I can get something out of him. You guys I, I, don't I know what you're doing. I can fix him. I can exactly. fix him. Yes. Exactly. Yes. So as long as you got guys who think they can fix him, you'll always have contracts that people will be willing to take on. You know, it's interesting, though, about this is everybody says, well, I don't really get it. So uh, Matthew Stafford wanted out of Detroit. Carson Wentz wanted out of Philadelphia. Deshaun Watson wants out of Houston. But why is he not being traded the way he's asking? And I would ask you guys this question. If I said to you you could have Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, or Deshaun Watson, who would you rather have of the four? Oh, my God. It's, I, I would Deshaun definitely Watson. have Deshaun of course. Watson. Yeah. And, yeah. and of course. therein lies the answer. If you're Houston – you will do anything you can possibly do to repair this relationship, even though he's out there publicly saying it can't be repaired. But eventually, Houston's going to get desperate and go, he's not going to play for us. We better find somebody. And there's a lot of teams that would like to have Deshaun Watson. Well, he, he took a picture this past weekend. He was down in Miami with Christian Wilkins, who was his teammate at Clemson, and they were down at Prime 112, which is like the big fancy steakhouse there on South Beach. 
Um, and he was there with a bunch of Dolphins players on Instagram. So, I mean, and they are one of the favorites. The Broncos have also crept up as one of the favorites now, too, in Carolina, obviously, after the Christian McCaffrey news came out that they would be willing to trade him and a bunch of first-rounders. So I, I think it's going to come down to those three um, because the Dolphins have a, a team on the rise. They have a, a player in Tua that they could also include in that deal with their picks. Um, Carolina does not have that young quarterback they can throw in there, and I don't think Drew Locke uh, is any anything that anyone necessarily covets, right? Like, Tua's only played a few games, so you don't really know what's there yet, and everyone, you know, he was taken in the top five for a reason. Drew Locke was a late-round pick. So I, I, I am curious to see how this all unfolds. LZ, I'll ask you before we get um, – Actually, you know what? Let's hold this. No, let's, let's, hold yeah, 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 let's get to Drew. Let, let's hold this. Let's hold this. We'll get back to that in a second. I see that Andrew Friedman is on the line, the president of your Los Angeles Dodgers, world champion Los mm-hmm. Angeles Dodgers, of course. So, Andrew, thank you so much for taking the time. I hope you and yours are all safe and healthy. Now, when you are referenced as world champion president Andrew Friedman, that certainly can't get old, can it? Definitely not. It's got a nice ring to it. I think uh, I may call in every day just for the intro. Uh, <laughs> love hearing it. And now the goal is next spring training for you to say two-time world champion, back-to-back world champion. How does your approach to team construction, and I'm assuming it's okay I call you Drew. If it's not, please tell me to stop calling you All Drew. All good. All righty. What is your approach towards free agency as a champion defending the crown as opposed to someone trying to acquire the crown? It's a good question. Um, I'm not sure I know the answer in that, you know, I think, um, you know, the, the amount of work and effort and energy from so many people that went in to winning a championship, us coming up short in previous years and, you know, having to kind of get back on the horse and try again and then to ultimately reach that. It's interesting how quickly after, you know, I went into the mindset of, okay, how do we stave off complacency? How do we, you know, continue to press with the talent that we have and the core that we have in place? You know, how do we continue to kind of push forward? And I read a great John Wooden uh, quote that I may butcher uh, off the cuff, but you'll get a sense for it, which is winning takes talent. And repeating takes heart and, you know, really resonated with me. And I think, you know, we do have a really special group of core players, but there's a lot of cautionary tales when you look back. I mean, no one has repeated as champ in, you know, close to 20 years and it's hard. And I do think that there are cautionary tales of teams who become complacent. And I think collectively we as a group are doing everything we can to make sure and stave that off. Andrew, uh, LZ asked if it's okay to call you Drew. Some people call you Drew. Is that right? Yep. Anybody call you Andy still? Nope, no, no okay. Andy. Yeah, see, Andy, Andy, you drop when you're, when you're an Andrew. Eventually you become an Andrew or a Drew. Let me ask you, what took so long to get the Justin Turner deal done? In reading through his comments, he said there were ups, there were downs. He thought for sure he would be back, then he didn't. So the question is, what took so long? It's a good question. Um, it felt like a really long time, um, you know, to us as well, and that we felt those ups and downs as well. And, 
Yeah, I think it's easy to sit here today and say, hey, if both sides really wanted it, what took so long? And I wish I could give you an answer. I don't really know um, other than, you know, kind of the natural flow of things. Our thing to JT and his agent at the very beginning of free agency was we really want JT to return um, and we'll be here. You're not going to read about us making some move if, something is getting somewhat close for us, we'll let you know. And we'll, you know, kind of ring the bell. But until that happens, we want to give Justin his space and his ability to go out and really vet the market. Because assuming he comes back, we want him to do it in a way where he feels really good about and, you know, has that confidence and conviction of coming back. And so, you know, I think just kind of going through everything, you know, JT just feeling his way out through the market and talking to different teams um, just took some time. And then, you know, by the time that his agent, Greg Ginsky, got to the point of saying, okay, let's really lock in, uh, you know, we were prepared to do that. Unfortunately, we're able to figure it out, but I'm with you. Um, quality of life would have been a lot better this winter had that happened <laughs> November 10th, but it didn't. And that's, you know, a lot of times in, free agency and over the winter things take longer than you'd like. And I'm not a patient person by nature, but free agency has taught me to be a little bit more. So Andrew Friedman, the president of your Los Angeles Dodgers world champion, Andrew Friedman and the world champion Dodgers with us here on Sedano LZ and cap. Um, So I know that bullpen keeps you up at night as it does pretty much every GM, but you and I and and LZ specifically a couple of years ago talked about this uh, on the show And now what you've got, though, is like 37 starters. So I feel like because of that, you probably have to put at least a couple of those in the bullpen. What does this rotation uh, look like, Andrew? Yeah, and and that's actually an interesting question of if you put starters in the bullpen, does it change my mindset of never feeling comfortable about a bullpen? But, um, yeah, we do have real starter depth right now which is awesome. I mean, coming off a 60-game season, going back into a marathon that is 162, and positioning yourself not only to win the division, but to be as strong as you can be heading into October, we know we're going to need more than five, whether it's seven, eight, nine, ten, we're not sure. Um, But just navigating this season uh, from a pitching standpoint is keeping us up at night and has been – you know, kind of front of mind for us all through the winter. And so having the depth we have is awesome in that we don't know exactly what it'll look like April 1st, but we do know that each of these guys is going to impact us in a starting role. And it's, you know, how to kind of navigate, you know, bites at a time, you know, two week, three week chunks at a time to keep our guys as frisky as possible and also keep our depth engaged and stretched out and in position to help us when things inevitably pop up. What's more stressful for you working on wall street or trying to navigate franchises in major league baseball? Uh, definitely this, um, <laughs> you know, it, the, there's a, such a public aspect to it, which is great. Uh, the day-to-day stakes is something that, I love, um, and I love it even more when we win, and I don't like it as much when we lose, but I love that daily kind of feedback. 
um, that I kind of thrive on. All right, let's talk about feedback for a moment, Andrew. Um, today, there's a report that there might be a way for fans, a limited number, to be there for baseball's opening day, particularly for the Dodgers, obviously. Can you give us any information? I mean, we always talk to you about team construction, but can you give us information about fans returning to Dodger Stadium and to baseball stadiums? Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of touched on it. It's just that there's some chance, um, and I think part of it is going to be what's the infection rate look like? You know, what does the world look like two, three, four weeks from now? That's going to go a long way towards determining it. Um, you know, as we're seeing schools opening up, um, you know, more so in the last week or two, um, you know, I think things are definitely trending that way and we're hopeful that it will be. And to the extent that, you know, we have some number of fans on opening day, it's just a great sign for LA County, for our area that we were in a position to be able to do so. So we are hopeful and it would be really nice to have some of that fan energy in our ballpark during these games. Andrew Friedman, the president of your world champion Los Angeles Dodgers with us here. Uh, Clayton Kershaw did an interview with the LA Times recently, and you know his family spoke in this interview as well, talking about the burden being lifted off of him. How palpable was that? I, I mean, look, he's been the rock for you guys for so long, but was it something that was palpable, the burden um, on him, because everybody focuses on him because he's arguably the greatest pitcher we've ever seen? Yeah, I, I do think so. Um, and it was interesting to hear him articulate it and it was hard for him I think to have the full appreciation of that burden until he won it and then to be able to compare that to before and um, you know I just one of the very first thoughts that popped in my mind when Julio struck out Adamas in that game was Kirsch and I think that's the case for a lot of people um, you know I think we all felt a great sense of relief and you know, really felt that uh, burden. And, you know, 1988, it had been a long time. And obviously we had heard a lot about it, um, rightfully so. And there were so many people that, you know, had worked together for years and years that were, came up just short. And just the desire to do it and bring a title back uh, to our unbelievable fans was something that was palpable. And, you know, and Kirsch kind of was the leader of that brigade in terms of, you know, the number of times he's been in the playoffs here and how much he wanted it. And so it was an amazing accomplishment in and of itself. But then also, you know, what it does in terms of, you know, just that final little cherry on top of Kirsch's legacy here. But hopefully we can add some more to it. Well, we start on one end of the pitching spectrum with Kershaw, but I would like to focus on the other end, which is the kids. What's the plan for Dustin May? What's the plan for Urias? Are these guys starters? Are they potential closers? Do you guys even know yet? Yeah, I mean, we're going to take spring training and really get into it and assess. And, you know, again, on one hand, we're coming off a 60-game season. So, you know, it's hard to expect these guys after that abbreviated season to just take down 200 innings. Um, but I am confident that Julio 
Dust and Tony Godson are going to start a lot of games for us, whether that's in the rotation April 1st or whether it's when something inevitably pops up. I'm not sure, but there's no doubt they're going to start games for us, and there's no doubt that all those guys are going to help us in October. And so then it's just about how we navigate through the season and keeping guys stretched out and continuing with their development and hopefully getting them to a point this year, innings-wise, where it's a really good jumping-off point for next year. So just just as a quick follow, as of right now, you don't expect them to be like, boom, like Walker Buehler, this is our starter, this is our starter for the whole season. It's still a wait-and-see space right now. Yeah, I'm just not sure yet. I mean, I think, um, you know, I think it's easy to see the guys that are definitely going to be in our rotation, and then there's others that we're just not sure what it will look like April 1st. That also assumes that we get through spring training with everyone healthy, and hopefully that happens. But, you know, we see a lot of times in the past that doesn't happen. Um, And so we feel really uniquely positioned to navigate that if something pops up. And if something doesn't pop up and it's a really good outcome through spring training, you know, we'll kind of figure out how to line up the five to start and then how to put our other guys in the best position to be ready when things will pop up. Like the only thing we know for sure is we're not going wire to wire with five starters. It's just, it's unheard of and uh, it's just not going to happen. We don't know how, when, and to whom uh, it will happen, but, we know it will, and so how can we be best positioned for all of these guys to take down starts and help us win games? All right, Andrew Friedman, last question, at least from this corner of this love triangle that's been throwing them at you so far here this afternoon, okay? Uh, what do you think about what's going on, the brewing competition coming from the San Diego Padres who had a monster offseason and then obviously just signed Tatis? There's been so much talk about the Padres wanting their shot at the Dodgers. What do you think about the competition to the South? Um, yeah, I mean, we've definitely, you know, taken notice, and they were a really good team last year, and they went out this winter and made themselves better, and it's great. Um, you know, you could argue that two of the top two or three teams in baseball are in the NL West this year, and I think that's a great thing for baseball. I think – you know, the 19 games we play against them will have a special kind of intensity to it. Um, and, you know, our mindset is we're going to do everything we can to stave them off and feel like, you know, we have the talent to do it. But as opposed to talking about it, you know, we'll we'll go out and hopefully do it. There he is, Andrew Friedman, the president, world champion president of your world champion Los Angeles Dodgers. Next time, Andrew, what we're going to do is we're going to bring you on to talk about like Wall Street bets, GameStop, and uh, Bitcoin, okay? So be ready for that (laughs) the next time that you're on, okay? Yeah, my day job's a little consuming, so I'm I'm pretty behind uh, the the – the times on that so i may need you guys to help me on it all right fair enough we'll have that conversation another day but thank you so much for taking time for us we certainly appreciate it congratulations again because you know what you're still the champs until dethroned so congrats best of luck this season and hopefully we'll talk to you again soon stay healthy stay safe really appreciate it guys always love coming on the show and look forward to the next time thanks brother there he is andrew friedman i love shabbat shalom my brother I, I could talk to that guy, no joke. L, I mean, LZ's heard me say this, Scott. I could talk to him for an hour 
about because he he his background is amazing, right? Like as yep. as as he kind of illustrated there uh, earlier. Um, obviously, his baseball prowess is incredible. I think he's the smartest guy in the sport. Um, it, and he just seems like such a regular dude, right? Like on top of that, which I think makes it even more awesome. Yeah. Yep. I, so, I like his on- answers actually seem to be like answers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't. He doesn't. He's not trying to evade the question. No. Right. right. Yeah. So, um, all right. We got to take a break because we went a little long there uh, with Andrew Friedman, but we're certainly thankful that he is. Uh, he was joining us. We got a thing. I don't know if you guys realize this. We got a thing brewing with the Lakers, and I'll tell you what that thing is in three minutes. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. I mean, that was funny <laughs> because Momo was not ready for us to say goodbye to her that day. <laughs> Wait, don't, don't hang up on me. How, you guys okay? Everybody healthy? Everybody good? Yeah. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Sweet. That's, that's how hey, she listen, gets her stories. Mama Momo dictates around here, okay? She's the mom, all right? So uh, whatever she says goes, you know, that's how I look at it. Thanks to Andrew Friedman for joining us there. If you missed any part of that interview, please subscribe to the Sedano, LZ, and Cap podcast wherever you find your podcasts, and you can catch it in its entirety. Um, Man, you know, it's funny. During the break, I was just thinking about this. We were talking about it a little bit. It really is incredible, the job that he's done here, because this team – and now, uh, Gregory Bergman, the the journalist around here – I can uh, allow him to be Greg now and just be the Dodger fan that he is. Um, you, you can attest to this because no one I, – I don't know anyone around here at this place that loves the Dodgers like you do. And they were a mess when he got here. Like, there were dudes on this roster that were paying tons of mil- tens of millions of dollars to that weren't even playing when he got here. No, everybody was hurt. It was, you're talking about guys like Carl Crawford. Scott Casimir. Scott, Scott, Scott Kazmier was Kazmier. the other one. I mean, uh, Brett Anderson, we was we were paying a bunch of money to. Um, McCarthy, there was there was a ton of guys that they were yeah. just giving money away to. And all of a sudden now, look what we've seen over the last what, six, seven, eight years, whatever it's been, that they have a great minor league system. They're overly competitive in every single year. They're going to World Series three out of four years. They won a World Series, and everything is just staying smooth. Right. Andrew Friedman is a genius. He's he's, wow. he's 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 so good, and I remember thinking. So I was in Chicago, you know, the year the Cubs won the World Series, and I remember thinking, Theo, damn, both Sox and Chicago, two right. droughts, one dude, right? But to Greg's point, I feel as if Andrew's job has been more impressive because there's been a sustained success. Mm-hmm. Since he's been here, the Cubs won the World Series, but since then they really haven't been a threat. And we look back now and realize the both Sox were all with needles in their asses. So we're like, okay, well, all right. One side cheated, and this side, you know, had <laughs> a great class. But he still had to make the moves to get those guys, which they if weren't. You doing. mean the move to the to the pharmacy? Yeah, oh, I'm sure he. he did. Listen, <laughs> I am not someone that will ever defend the Red Sox, but I do think what he was able to accomplish there. Yeah, it was, was fantastic. Yeah, it was. Well, you know, the, the thing about Friedman is, and this is kind of the beauty of this story, yeah. is that when you're in Tampa Bay, 
Yeah. And you are a small market, small budget franchise. And you have to be really resourceful with every dollar that you invest in a player, right? And then you have success because you have a great scouting department or you've built up a great minor league system or somehow, some way you've scratched and clawed and built and built a winner ultimately in a place where generally it's kind of hard to win when you don't have money to spend. Then you go from little Tampa where you had to be resourceful and watch every penny to come to the Dodgers where you can use all that resourcefulness, but now, dude, you got way more money. You know, you asked him about Wall Street versus the Dodgers. There's a whole lot more pressure in this Dodger job because we're talking about billions of dollars at stake. Um, it's pretty impressive to go from the small team where you didn't have to the big team where you can use those principles and spend. Oh, no question. I mean, I think that you, you learn fiscal responsibility that way. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't overspend. And for years, okay, LZ, specifically, you know this. Greg, you know this. Um, Scott, I mean, you've heard us talk about this. Laura knows. Like, yo, we were like, come on, man, make a move. Sign right. somebody. And right. then he was like, nah, y'all need to relax. I know what the hell I'm doing. And then he made the move for Mookie. And, and then they got him signed. And we were like, okay, you were right. We were wrong. We're idiots. That's why you're the smartest dude in the room. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You have a set of principles. You have a philosophy. You have a process. And you follow that process because you believe in the end result, not in the immediate ones. Mm -hmm. I mean, that happened this year. We were all saying, what's going on in this offseason? Nothing's happening. Oh, we're just going to get Trevor Bauer at the end of the, at, at the end of everything. We didn't even ask about I, Trevor damn Bauer specifically. <laughs> like yeah, there's right. so much crap going like, and I mean that in a good way with this team that like, you, you know, you can't even cover all of it. No, you, I mean, he's done so much good, which is why everyone looks at San Diego and goes, oh, you're so cute trying to buy a championship. <laughs> Who's trying to buy a championship? Who's trying to buy a championship? <laughs> Did you guys read the story today about Tatis? So they signed Tatis to a $14, $340 million contract. We talked about that earlier in the week when it happened, right? Mm -hmm. Did you read the story about how much of that $340 million Tatis owes to a company that, and I'll, I'll put it the way at least I read it, that invested in him when he was like 15 or 16 years old. Okay, let's do that on the other side because we got a break, okay? So let's do that on the other side. Plus, we still we got a thing, by the way, brewing. Uh, with the Lakers, uh, and I want to make sure we address that as well. Kendrick Perkins will join us at 5 o'clock. My guy, Bernardo Osuna, our in-ring boxing reporter at top rank here at ESPN. we got a big, big fight on ESPN this weekend. The coverage will begin at 7 o'clock uh, Pacific. We've got two Mexican fighters, uh, Berchelt and uh, Valdez, and we're going to talk about that fight with Bernie. We're going to talk about it before. Hopefully, Bernie comes on as well and kind of get people's thoughts on the fight as well. We'll take some calls in a little bit. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Oh, I miss the Golden Girls. They were pretty edgy for their time. Would you agree? Oh, dude, the topics they touched on, people still have a hard time writing about today. 
Yeah. <laughs> they 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 were definitely ahead of the time. I'm I happen to be friends with one of the writers mm-hmm. from the show. And when you spend time with Mark, you realize, oh, you're a golden girl. You just threw it in an old woman's body. Because <laughs> <laughs> it came from his brain? Is that what you're it saying? it came from his brain. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's the same funny. thing happened to the Sex and the City girls. They, they're just gay men. They're just put inside women's bodies. But that's the way gay guys talk. Who was your favorite golden girl? Oh, my golden girl is also my Sex and the City girl. I think if you listen, uh, I, you I, know let me who guess. that Can is. Can I guess? Sure. Oh, you're Blanche for sure. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of Just course. like your Kim Cattrall's character. And exactly. Yeah, Come yeah, on, yeah. dog. Come on. You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kim Cattrall's you know? character liked to get down, as I recall. Right. So did Blanche. Yes. So did yeah. Blanche. So does LZ. Yeah. So does LZ. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I see. I I loved. You're Charlotte, George. I'm Charlotte. You're yeah. Charlotte. See, so but I'm not Betty White from the Golden Girls. I have no, more biting no. than that. Yeah. No. No. I'm more not. like I'm more like Sophia. On the Golden Girls. I you think. are more like Sophia. Yeah. I'm getting Sophia. very worried all of a sudden here because if George is Charlotte and if LZ is, what was the character's name on? Kim uh, Cattrall. Samantha. Uh, Samantha. So, yeah. Samantha. So you've got two characters to choose from, Captain. Right. Doesn't that like make me either like the red, the short redheaded girl? Miranda. Laura, does, is Scott Miranda? I think he's Miranda. He can't be Carrie. I don't Why? I mean, well, I think I'm I think I'm Carrie. I think I'm more Carrie. I think I'm more Carrie. I think I, I am. I, I think me and Mr. Big are going to get down. I think that's what's going to happen. <laughs> I don't know Anyone if you can handle Mr. Big. I don't know if you can handle Mr. Big. Yeah. What about Greg? Who's Greg? No, I think that Scott has more um, Carrie in him than Miranda, and Greg definitely has more Miranda than Greg Carrie. Greg is Miranda. You are Miranda, Greg. Yeah, you are Miranda. You guys lost me on this one. Um, You've I'm never saying. watched Sex in the City nah, ever? He's too, he's, no, he's, I think he's I made a one behind. episode. And it's a generation. I don't know who it is. It's on like it's on TV all the time on like yeah. a bunch of different channels. Well, what about a, what head. about Golden Girls? Are you a Golden Girl? Oh, I, I love Golden Girls. I don't know the difference in the characters. I'm not. Oh. Gonna, I don't know the then, name by name. Then you just contradicted yourself. Mm-hmm. You can't say no, I love I the Golden the Girls and I then say the I don't know the characters. Yeah, that is true. How the hell did <laughs> that happen? <laughs> because I don't. I mean, it's been a long time since I watched it, so I don't even remember who is who. Then you don't love the Golden Girls. There you go. Because I, they're I, unforgettable. That is a fair assessment. I don't think you can love the, Scott. Do you think he can love the Golden Girls I, if he doesn't I remember just, the characters? I, I think it's very interesting that you would actually say I've seen the Golden Girls, but I haven't seen Sex in the City because Sex in the City compared to the Golden Girls is considered a much more contemporary show. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, yeah, I don't you, know. It was, it was never my thing. Okay. Oh, that's fine. That's so fine. who's Miranda, who, what does Miranda do? Like, what is, what is her you. thing? You. She's you. <laughs> okay, I take fine. my L on this one. <laughs> cool. See, I like, take you. my L. Actually, that? let's open it up right now. 877-710-ESPN. Who is who uh, on this show <laughs> from Sex and the City? Of the dudes. We, we exclude Laura, obviously. Laura is the mama on the show here. Um... <laughs> But we of the, of the dudes here, who is who? 877-710-ESPN. LZ says I'm Charlotte. I'm not necessarily denying that. Um, Kaplan has more carry in him that I think people give him credit for. LZ is definitely Samantha. And and Greg is definitely Miranda. Um, but I, I am curious oh, to hear redhead? what the audience thinks. You guys watch, by the way. <laughs> you're the redhead. Yes, Greg, after, you're the redhead. Let me ask you a question. Oh, after man. Sex in the City, did you guys watch on HBO? Did you see, um, speaking of Sarah Jessica Parker, did you see Divorce? I watched a little bit of it. I did not. Oh, dude. It's a good show, 
But having been divorced, I really didn't need to relive it. Okay, see, <laughs> right. You know, for LZ, for me, it was like the beginning of my divorce, and then through my divorce, I was watching this show. So in a really, oh my gosh, I know, dude. In oh, a no. weird kind of way, oh no, like that show kind of helped me going through divorce in a really kind of strange way. Well, that's cool. I mean, if it did that, then then it did its job, right? Like, I think that for everyone, it's going to affect dif- people differently, right? And for you, it hit at the right time, you know? Yeah. That's, that's wild. I remember one of my good buddies was going through a divorce, and like six months after the split, he was like going, I can't believe she's still not over it. And I'm like, dude, I'm gay, remarried, and the boy has graduated from college, and I still get fire. So, <laughs> so you just need to buckle up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. let me tell you something, uh, George Sedano. Listen to me, okay? Trust me when I tell you. Yeah. Do everything humanly possible to not get divorced. Yeah. Okay? I'm with you on that. Okay? I was yeah. with me on that, too. Yeah. And then all of a sudden crazy stuff happened and then before I knew it I was divorced. Right. Like things that were completely unforeseeable happened. Right. And then the next thing you know, you're divorced and you're cleaning up your life and you're like, "What what what just happened?" And then you realize that the perfect storm had just happened. And then you realize like a couple years later, like, "You know what?" And I'll say this to all the guys out there and the ladies too. Dude, it gets better. I mean, I don't know how you think about it, LZ. It gets better. I mean, you think at times you're like, oh, my God, this is the worst. I'm never going to make it. You know what? You will. And it just gets better. I don't know if it got better. I just put it in the closet and just closed the door and walked away. I don't know what it's doing, actually. I haven't no. been in there in a while. I guess um, what I'm saying is life gets better. What do you life, think? Yes, life gets better. Sure. Yeah, it just, you know, it you becomes more normal. You're well, no, normal. you actually go back to having sex again is what happens. Wait, really. wait. Greg actually wants to go the other direction on this. Go ahead, Greg. Divorce was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> you kidding? That was that That's was what she very said. toxic. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm sure she did. Apparently, if I'm Miranda. Yeah, that's great. right. <laughs> but it was the best thing that could have happened. Well, to both of them. having known you when you went, having still be still communicating with you at that that time, even though we didn't work together occasionally, I do remember you being very um, relieved. Is the way I would describe it. Yes, relief was. Very understated, yes. Yeah. We have Jason and Downey who wants to uh, characterize us as Sex in the City characters. Go ahead, Jason. So I do feel I listen enough to know all four of you guys. Bergman is definitely Miranda. Like, no <laughs> question, he's Miranda. Well, by the way, so the funniest thing is that if you go on the ESPN Los Angeles Twitter right now, it says it has all our ats, right, like all our uh, handles, and it says, who is Carrie, Samantha, Miranda, and Charlotte? But it says, Greg is Miranda in all caps. No one can change that. Can somebody please, oh, yeah. can somebody Janice. just do me a favor? And I want to ask everybody who's listening right now to just do me a quick favor here. Who's got the skills as a graphic artist to go in and now Photoshop all four into the four that we correspond to? Can somebody please do that and then tweet yeah. it to us? Per- perhaps someone may have that, may have that ability out there. If not, someone in our own department could have that. But Jason, what do you got for us? Who's who? So, Bergman is Miranda. So, Donna, you have to be Carrie. You just you just scream Carrie, my friend. Okay. LZ is definitely Samantha. And Cap can be Charlotte. No chance on Charlotte. No chance. <laughs> I'm not Charlotte. Charlotte is, Charlotte is very uptight to me. Okay? And, uh, George, no offense, but I got you as Charlotte. I, I I would be fine. I think I've got a little bit of, e- of of both of them in me, like you know, qualities. Um, but 
I, you know, the audience is speaking, Cap. That's all I'm saying. You know, nobody we, thinks LZ is Carrie because you oh, know LZ is no. a columnist and Carrie's a writer. Nobody's no. even a- putting everybody, that everybody together. Everybody who's listening to this radio station knows. Cap. You're the one with the umbrella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a- true. A- a- that is true. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Everyone that's listening to this radio station immediately said Samantha when they said LZ. Like nobody. I want to be Samantha. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. It's, 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 it's way more of a burden than you realize. You, you, may have, you may have Samantha instincts, but LZ is Samantha. Really? He lives Samantha? Is yeah. that right? Yeah. You know when I realized I was Samantha? Tell me. There, there was a line in the, in the show, and it, it, to this day, just thinking about it, cracks me up. When Carrie says, everyone else, when they're around models, feel intimidated. Samantha's the only person whose proximity to, to beauty increases their ego. <laughs> And when she said that, I was like, that is so true. I'm not intimidated by power. I'm actually intrigued by it, and I want to be around it even more. And it's like, when I heard that line, it just made all the sense in the world to me. Sex is power. Knowledge is power. Obviously, power is power. What did you say, Laura? What did she say? say? didn't you say anything. Oh, she said something to me. You were saying power is power. Keep going. Power is power. Power Power is power. But I mean, just the the proximity to power does not intimidate me. It's the absence of power where I'm like going, okay, where am I? Who's in charge? Am I in charge? I need to know the rules. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. All right, coming up next. uh, By the way, can you just say one thing, George? Just one thing. Yeah. When was the last time this show was on? I mean, this is a very impactful show that you can have this conversation this many years later and everybody understands. I mean, it's in syndication still, and you can, and it's on HBO Max. Like people can watch it. So, yeah. um, I mean, I mean, but it's, it's been like a number of years. It's been like fifteen years probably. Um, all right, we've got breaking news with the Lakers. You're going to want to tune in. Stick around. We're back in three minutes. Um, Kendrick Perkins is going to join us at six. We can discuss this breaking news with him as well. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, we got some breaking news. Sedano LZ and Cap with you here on 710 ESPN. Our own Dave McMiniman is reporting that Dennis Schroeder is out for Saturday's game between the Lakers and Heat on ABC, which will tip off at 5.30 tomorrow on television. And, of course, you can always catch every Laker game right here on 710 ESPN. He is out because of league's health and safety protocols per the team. Now, earlier I had stated that Zion um, – I did a game here when the Pelicans were in L.A., or two games. I did uh, when the Pelicans played the Clippers and Lakers on a Wednesday, Friday. And I mentioned earlier that Zion missed the Clipper game because of COVID protocols because there was some potential, um, uh, I guess, false positives or whatever. I mean, there was inconclusive tests with Zion. Now, I'm not saying one way or the other because I'm not a doctor and I don't know what the hell's going on with Dennis Schroeder, but a back-to-back situation is interesting now. Now I start to wonder you know, allowed, oh, what's happening here? You know what I mean, LZ? Oh, a- absolutely. And, you know, I don't want to, like, be irresponsible. Correct. But I do know that there are players in the league who's bout with COVID. 
um, took a lot out of them, even when they returned. And it, it's taken them a while to get things back to where they're comfortable being. And Schroeder is one of our top three scorers. He's a defensive hawk. He's our starting point guard. And if he is done with COVID, if he has it, but can't go for like another three weeks or a month, that's a problem. Yeah. That's a significant problem. Yeah. uh, So, Cap, because, you know, I mentioned earlier the stuff about the Zion experience I had with an inconclusive test – um, that was one game. Like I, I have yet to see. And again, I'm not. I'm not suggesting anything, nor am I trying to speculate uh, recklessly here. But I have yet to see um, someone miss multiple games for a COVID protocol uh, to this point. So that again, just already a strange Lakers season just gets a little stranger. Right. But the, I think again, the bigger concern, of course. I mean, obviously concerned about this young guy. You know, yeah. and his his individual health, right? I mean, this is like a real human issue Correct. now. It's not like just some basketball thing. If he's if if, um, but then of course, then the the next consideration is, who else has he obviously been in close contact with, and does it make its way through the Laker locker room? Again, this is worst case scenario. The Jewish mother in me is coming out, um, and then you know you think about what LZ is saying, which is long term effects. Because I'm sure everybody knows somebody that's had it that still is like, yeah, I've been, you know, I don't have a positive test anymore and it's been weeks and weeks and I still can't smell and taste, you know? So long-term impact for the player and maybe for others around him. Correct. So we, we got to see now, granted the players are tested daily. So um, the fact that it doesn't seem like it's affected anyone else, uh, if he has anything or the, excuse me, let me, let me rephrase this. Cause I'm not saying he has anything. I'm right. just saying he has been sat out for COVID protocols. That is a very nebulous thing, right? We don't know what the hell that actually means necessarily. Um, but back to back is 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 odd in in this scenario. Um, but the the players are tested every day, and if no other player is also in the COVID protocol, um, then that bodes well. I think in general, even for Schroeder potentially. Um, but it is something to monitor. I don't think there's any question about it. Uh, mm. By the way, breaking news is powered by Valvoline Instant Oil Change, home of the 15-minute drive-through oil change. Visit SoCalOilChange.com for locations and coupons. Um, Cap, you earlier were talking about Tatis's contract, and you said that there was something interesting in there that I, I had no idea about. What was that that you well, had mentioned well, earlier? We, we'd gotten done with this conversation with Andrew Friedman, and um, he had mentioned you know, the Padres and how much chatter there's been about will the Padres really give the Dodgers a run for their money. And we had talked earlier in the week about Tatis, this 14-year, $340 million contract we discussed. Was it a smart idea? Not. Who won? Player? You know, organization? So anyway, we, we had these discussions. I didn't know. Ken Rosenthal put out a piece today that Tatis, when he was a young minor league player, was able to work with a company that advances young players' money and then takes a percentage. So imagine they invest in the player. Say, okay, you're 16 years old. We project you to be a star. We're going to give you, I'm making this up, $100,000. And then later on, when you sign a certain amount, when you sign a deal, we get, call it 10%. And that's what the number is. $34 million to a company that fronted this kid money. I don't know about you guys. I didn't know this happened. Uh, that's wild um, because his dad was a major leaguer, although, you know, he was a solid player, not a great player. Um, but the fact that that happened, that look, 
that's the type of stuff that can happen in Major League Baseball because they're, most of these kids aren't playing either they're not even from this country number one like fernando who grew up in the dominican at least early in his in his life um and there are you know in college if that happens you know there's a huge scandal right like right and i'm not saying that tatis shouldn't be shouldn't do that i i'm very much in favor of young men and women uh who are performing in the collegiate ranks should get compensation. Like, I have always been at the forefront of that conversation and uh, been steadfast in that belief. But it, it does go to show you that kind of the differences, LZ, in, in the way that these the professional sports are handled even at that level. But it, to me, it's not even just a question of sports. This is just another extension of predatory lending where you find vulnerable people and you put them in situations from a payback situation that is grossly unfair, but because you catch them in a vulnerable state, they feel as if they have no choice. And as you mentioned, you know, Tatis is from DR. You know, I don't know if you guys have been there, but I certainly have spent time there. I mean, there's some extremely impoverished areas once you get outside of the, you know, tourist zones. And those kids, those people, if you show up with cash to help them, they're, they don't care about what the payback is going to be. And that is the essential heart of predatory lending in sports, but also just in life. Yeah, you hear that number, $340 million, and I can't help but do the math. You know, So $340 million minus $34 million to this company that fronted him this money. Okay, so now you're down to $300 million. After taxes, you're down to $140 million. This guy just wound up signing a 14-year deal for $10 million a season all of a sudden. Yeah, and, and the and guy that's... who fronts – the guy who's the CEO of this company is a former Major League Baseball player. Michael Schwimmer is his name. You know that would be a really interesting interview is like get this guy Schwimmer Yeah, on let's the show talk to him. And say, can you explain to us the business of investing in I, young I, I minor league baseball players? And who else yeah. is who else do we know, right? Like, who else has he been in business with? Is he willing to share that uh, information? You know, like I, I'm with you. I do think that's an interesting conversation, Elsie. You, would you be in on that? Uh, absolutely. Um, I just hope he's ready for me. Oh yeah, <laughs> there we go. But I, I knew a guy one time. I knew a guy, right? A freaking yeah. guy over here. I knew a guy who once told me this story about this boxer. And, and um, he's like, yeah, so I invested in this boxer. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? And he's like, well, I, I gave this boxer $50,000. And that's how he lives, and it's how he pays for his food, and it's how he pays for his training, and, it's, and so on. And I'm entitled to X number of percentage when he gets to this level. And I was like, wow, okay. But I never heard about this with baseball. Well, it's really, it's to me – it's a blemish on Major League Baseball's farm system and their minor league system more than anything because it's really easy, and as I mentioned before about predatory lending, it's really easy to approach these kids who clearly have potential, who you can identify may clearly make the next level, but where they are right now because of the structure, the financial structure of, of minor league baseball, at least before the pandemic hit anyway, these kids were like, they were getting nothing, basically. Mm. You know, and... Someone comes in, spots you, go, huh, that guy's going to be something. Approach him where that individual can get some more money. And, again, they're in dire situations. They're going to take it. And then this kickback comes at them, 
And I just think it's just totally unfair. I think about it when I was in college, guys. Um, we would have agents come around and want to talk to the players that were going to be NFL players. And these agents would obviously bribe the players with money. And when you make it to the NFL, I'm going to be your agent. It's the same thing that happened to Reggie Bush. I mean, it's not like Correct. this is new. You know, yeah. it's the same right. thing. Yeah. Um, and, that, and that's just it. You, it's, it's interesting you use the word predatory because that's exactly what it was. It was like, you're a kid in college. You don't really have any money. You're projected to be an NFL player. I'll pay you money now, but you got to sign with me when you're done. And by the way, it happened all the time where yeah. guys took the money and didn't sign with the agent. All right, we got a break. We can discuss this some other time. Kendrick Perkins is going to join us in two and a half minutes. Knowing what you need to know, we'll go straight to Perk in two and a half minutes. Talk some Lakers with him next.